0: Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Dewing Grain are independent and local grain traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, they can offer you the best strategies to achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Each week on our podcast, we begin with the Dewing Grain market report, giving you up-to-date information and analysis, followed by the farm chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues with a guest or two, whilst occasionally sampling a beer. Andrew's favourite bit – So let's start with Andrew Dewing with this week's Market Report.
1: Welcome to the Market Report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market report for week commencing sixteenth of October, twenty twenty three. Now, I shouldn't have been doing this podcast, but uh, as Luton Airport car park burnt down, it meant I didn't go to Warsaw, which was, uh, you know, it's like a bit strange having three days you didn't plan and uh, you know to be in the office or whatever. So it's been quite nice in a way. Luckily, the intrepid Ben and Webby went across there, and I'm going to put a picture on the front of this podcast. ...of Webby in deep thinking mode this morning... ...which he doesn't know has been taken I don't think... ...so clearly he had an early night... ...so what can we talk about... ...this time last week... ...the market on wheat... ...in France was exactly the same price... ...in the US... ...one week ago again at time of recording... ...exactly the same price... ...the UK is £2 lower than where it was a week ago... ...because we've got issues... Um, ...we've got November tender coming up... ...which people have to face... We've got the futures trading at a too higher level against the physical market, and we've got a total lack of engagement from UK farmers, and the market's still going down, which worries me. In the period in between the two, the market in the UK has been in a £7 range. It's been £5 lower than where we are now. Um In France, it's been €5 Euros lower, and in the US, it's been €0.30 cents a bushel lower. A week, week is what it's been, which is leading up to the USDA report, which was mildly bullish, the market recovered just for the USDA last night, and today it's a bit firmer. But I've got to say, I do not feel very friendly to this market. There's lots of issues about it being at the bottom of the pile, in the worst possible trough, you know, and everything feels wrong in saying it's still bearish to go down from here. Because we're pretty well at contract lows, but contract loads are for selling is a famous phrase but more importantly I can't see a way out I can't see any export I can't see any real way of getting rid of our surplus and there is a surplus we've got the UK grain trade questioning the size of the crop writing it down day by day saying oh it's much smaller than we thought it wasn't there but I think that's rubbish it was a very open autumn that we had for for this last year there was lots of tonnage that was cut I just think it's lack of farmer engagement. And I think there was a big carryover from the previous season anyway. So I truly believe there's a surplus. And it then boils down to, can the UK trade carry a big surplus without really, you know, bothering too much between years? In which case, we'll carry a big surplus into next year. But I, yeah, I'm I'm uncomfortable with the price. I still think it's got potential to go down and the prices are very unpalatable now. And while I'm on the subject of wheat... I've had some very, a good friend of mine gave me some wise advice about the market. He said, do you know your markets, Andrew? I went, yeah, of course I do. He said, you know, well, do you know what what's being paid up into Hull? Oh, yeah, I know what's going into Hull. And I quoted exactly what the market was, which at the time was £14 over the futures. It's apparently trading at £16 over the futures off and on. And then I'm told that you can get haulage from East Anglia to Hull for 16 quid. Well, I've got quotes for haulage and I haven't managed to achieve that yet. And maybe if you're stuck on the side of the, I don't know, the A1 or on the edge of the Fen or somewhere, maybe you can get it done for 16 quid. But if you come around the corner into, um, you know, dirt track and, and single track road Norfolk, it isn't going to be as cheap as that. And we've also got quite a few of our hauliers locally busy. They've got, you know, potatoes, sugar, beet, all those things going on. And we haven't got any other major routes of vehicles coming into our corner to, to do a back route to go up north maybe from Ipswich maybe from down in Essex where we do the odds trade but then I say to myself right okay so people are desperately trying to buy October wheat because farmers are too busy to to be bothered to sell it so why should I go out and chase my farmers and pay them a few extra quid a relatively good price for October uh, when in fact there's still a massive carry in the market you know you've got to look at what does the farmer need and what does he actually need in terms of workload and times to think about it. Does he want to take his forklift off the, the out of the field so he can't put the seed onto the into the seed drill easily because he's got to go back to the yard to load a grain lorry? Does he want to stop lifting sugar beet and potatoes, which are at very good prices and going to make more money for the farm than than cereals is this year? The answer to that is no. They're they're getting on because they've got the opportunity to get on and actually do the job. They don't want to stop and think about this stuff. So it, it, there's there's a kind of Piss your customer off aspect to it. Yes, it's a better price probably X farm for October than it is for November, because there's an abundance of wheat in November which will come forward. But there's still a massive carry. So if I bid someone hundred and seventy seven X or hundred and eighty X right for November wheat, which I'm not going to do, and and maybe one of these guys who's really chasing who needs to buy that wheat is going to pay that money. Brilliant price. It's you're still going to be 190 for May, so what's the big deal? You know, you aren't really... It's not the greatest thing since... It's purely someone has got an issue that they need to cover. And I believe in three weeks' time, they won't be trying anywhere near as hard to do it. They will be inundated with wheat as farmers have got their jobs done and then they've got time to think about it. So I think, you know, the other aspect, I guess, for East Anglian wheat is if you travel all the way up to Hull... And even if it is only £16 pound a ton haulage, which I find to be stretching it, you know, I think it should be more like 20 but let's say it's 16 quid, you get a rejection somewhere, you know, because cause that's going to happen. There is a, a big abundance of bugs this year, whether anyone's noticed it or not. Certainly the gas people we were talking to, we've had a, a silo at one of our places that's got some bugs in, so we've had to get it treated. And to get them to come out took several days because of the number of jobs they've got on at the moment. So you end up in Hull and it's cost you 16 quid. That's a return price of £32 a tonne instead of a return price of £14 a tonne if you have to take it back to the farm to get the stuff treated. That's the point. It's a risk that we are pushing our farmers into for our own ends. Now, a big major corporation is quite happy to go away. I don't know those individuals. It's just a name. It's just a place. I've got five loads over there. I'll get haulage £16 a tonne. Take that up to Hull. It gets rejected. It doesn't matter because you don't know who the hell the person is. It's an anonymous thing. Unfortunately for me, I know everybody. I know everybody in my customer base and it's exceptionally personal and we're not prepared to take that risk. So, just to explain how the dim Norfolk types are not clever enough to use the, the best market for October one, we've not got a surplus of October wheat anyway, so we don't need to chase it. Two, if we go chasing it, the farmers are going to be pissed off with us because they're too busy to think about it. Three, is it the greatest price since sliced bread? No, because there's a carry anyway in the market where you paid more money and bearing in mind everyone's put it in store, so you've done the work putting it in store, what's the rush? If it was like a £10 premium and it was like outrageously brilliant, you get paid and you get more money and everything's brilliant, great, I'll get out of bed for it for a farmer to get that return. But it isn't. So, yeah, don't teach your grandfather how to suck eggs, all right? Anyway, that's that off my chest to my dear friends. Yeah, where were we? So I reckon the value of feed wheat for November is more like, is something like 170 to 172, depending on where you lie. And I'm sure you can get another three or four quid out of someone if they want to take it a long way away. That's where we put the value of it. If you if you push through to next May, we'll pay you 190, which is aggressive, and I'm quite happy to pay that at that time of year. Yeah, that's that's kind of it on the feed week. That's as exciting as it gets. As I say, the market has been down this week and it's looked really weak yesterday until the USDA kind of saved it. But that, I think, is going to run out of steam, and I'm I'm bearish. So if you do need to get some money, or do need to get a shed cleared, or do need to do something, then I'm afraid you need to get on with it, and it isn't going to look very pretty. It's not going to be anywhere near 190, which you're dreaming of, uh, let alone 200. Feed Barley's got no friends at all, completely on its backside. Nobody wants to buy it at the moment. It is grim, but it is still early October, and there's a very long way to go. So don't, you know jump off a bridge on the basis of feed barley not being worth very much so it's 150 odd pounds a ton if you're lucky at the moment yeah just close your eyes and pretend it isn't there unless you've got to sell it then in which case get out of your hair but otherwise hold on that one more because you're chasing your town anyway trying to find a buyer of it malting barley separate subject completely there will be all sorts of trouble with deliveries of malting barley from farm there's no two ways about it there is problems out there um we've got a certain amount of malting barley up our shirt unsold and we're running that we've got it in condition we've dried it we've dressed it we've got it into as good a condition as we possibly can and we're confident our, our stuff is up to it but there is plenty of contracts we've got x farm which i'm nervous about and there's plenty of the you know when the sales actually start moving i think we'll start Start seeing rejections because at the moment the molsters are still using old crop barley which was perfect and they're going to move on to the slightly less perfect 2023 crop shortly. Alted rape, same price as it was a week ago it's been down it's come back up again with a rally in the USDA because of soybeans I think that market is I'm not going to comment on it it's the same as it was last week and I am of the opinion that they're we're importing by, by the sound of it into the UK so maybe maybe it never will go up again because we keep importing from other people. But, yeah, run it for the time being, I think. What else is there to talk about on the market? So we've done motley barley, we've done feed barley, we've done feed weed. 1000000 wheat Milling week premium still good, and I think that will stay the same all the way through the year. If you have something with good protein segregated as an individual variety I think certainly January onwards there's going to be some real life in that here and there so you have to get people to do some uh, some uh, effort on sampling and identifying exactly where the good stuff is don't delude yourself and pretend it's all good if you've got a little pocket that's good try and segregate it don't go oh yeah Lord, that'll all make the spec because there'll be loads rejected and, and that's, the, you know, that's the pleasure of going to a flour mill if it isn't quite perfect so I think that's all I want to talk about you've got me doing an education podcast about the easiness of of registering a future store this week i believe that some of the bigger units who've already got lots of the infrastructure in place will gain a big premium if they t- convert their farm into a future store and the dynamic of actually doing it i explain how to do it explain how easy it is to do it and how uncomplicated it and and certainly from a farmer's independent perspective it keeps the big bad wolf from the door you you guys We'll have more opportunity to keep prices up and have something where you command when you get paid through this commodity, through this contract, because it's the futures exchange and it's strong as the biggest companies that you're trading with. So you, you have a little bit more leeway and strength and I think you should look at it as a group. Other than that, um, Podcast Walk, I mentioned it's going to be the 31st of October, which is a Tuesday at 2 p.m. I've decided it's going to come again. We're going to go one of the routes from the Ailsham office. So we're going to actually, anyone comes along, come and park in our car park. The what three words, princes evaporate robot, which is, you know, one of my little favourite words. So princes evaporate robot. It's the Alsham Grain office or the Doing Grain office car park. So Tuesday 31st, 2pm. If you want to get slim and attractive like me, then come on that walk. With that, have a great week. And next week it isn't me because I'm in Crete doing a beached whale impression. Cheers. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours.
0: We'd like to let you know about the new During Grain website, which is now live and includes lots of new features, including real-time market prices. Having received feedback from some of our listeners that they like to catch up with our podcast at their desk, we will be sending out a weekly farmers update by email each Monday morning, which will have a link straight to the new episode. If you'd like to receive this, Head over to doinggrain.co.uk and fill in your email address. If you'd like to be a guest on our podcast, drop us an email at podcastdewinggrain.co.uk. At Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's farm chat.
1: This week we're going to have one of our education series. We haven't had one of those for quite a long time, but it's a very, very important subject and it is how to register your farm or your store as a futures store. Or in other words, how do you magically turn your feed wheat into something that's worth up to £15 a tonne more at the stroke of a magic wand. And it really is... Once you've paid the basic costs of just under a thousand pounds to register and you've got all of the things in place that you need, which I'll go through bit by bit in a moment, fundamentally it's exactly the same product. You could have one bin that was registered as a future store next to another bin that was not registered as a future store, identical product, and one is worth 15 quid more than the other one. So you can sit and try and work that out if you like, or you can come and join the party. But we're going to explain how to do it because we've persuaded a number of our farms to do it and they're benefiting from it, and a number of Other people are kind of like watching from a distance and thinking there must be a catch. So hopefully this will explain that there isn't. Anyway, so the first thing you need is a few basic items you do need. So therefore not everybody is going to be able to do this. But that's not, we can't hold back people who can, can we? Just because other people can't. So... Although the minority does get a lot of say nowadays. So first thing you've got to have is a total capacity of 5,000 tonnes of storage. So that's going to knock some of you out of the way. I appreciate that. But if you've got on your farm 5,000 tonnes of storage that you register with Red Tractor as your grain store, some will have your barley in, some will have your in, and some will have your wheat in. That's the first thing. You will have to have a weighbridge. If you haven't got a weighbridge. Well, we'll go through that in a moment. You're going to have to adopt the attitude of being a service provider, not a customer. We'll get into the detail of what that actually means. So it's just like attitude change for one or two people. You have to have access to a futures account. Well, that isn't absolutely certain. You could do it with a relationship with a merchant. We do this for most of our farmers where they don't actually have a futures account. We manage that aspect. So again, we will explain what that is as well. So the basic requirements are those things and task registration which we will talk to you about separately as well which is a kind of you know it got red tractor task is the trade assurance scheme but i'll give you details on that so let's break this down into bits one five thousand ton storage capacity needs to be a total of five thousand so in other words if you just grow two thousand tons of wheat and you're thinking oh, it needs to be a five thousand ton store to be a future store no you can register the five thousand tons and it can be inspected, and yep, there's 5,000 tonnes of capacity. You don't need to fill those bins with wheat. If you've got a shed or a bin or two silos or whatever it is full of wheat... You can just nominate those two bins out of the 5,000 as being the ones that you wish to tender that year. I and mean, if you empty those bins of other stuff and shove some more wheat in there, and it's up to task standard, etc., etc., then you could tender the whole 5,000 tonnes. But if you've just grown 2,000 tonnes of wheat and you always put it in that shed, then that shed, which is part of the 5,000 tonnes you've registered, is what you say, right, we're going to tender that lot. Now, the word tender we will come on to again in a little while, but in essence... You haven't got to have 5,000 tonnes of wheat. You can have literally 5,000 tonnes of storage and have just one bin with 100 tonnes in it and you could let that lot go onto the futures. So there's the first myth. It doesn't have to be 5,000 tonnes of wheat capacity. You just need total capacity. Two, the Weybridge. If you haven't got a Weybridge, it will cost you to buy one probably 30k, 20 to 30k, something in that region. If you've got... 2,000 tonnes of wheat, you'll pay for it in one year with the premium you're getting for the wheat. But yes, you have got to have a waybridge because the weight that is used for the grain leaving your farm is your Weybridge's weight. It isn't the delivery point with some dodgy over-the-zealous sampler taking half a tonne off. It is your weight on your Weybridge and it's your quality, it's the quality on outload. So that's an important point. Having your own Weybridge is actually a very useful thing to have. As anyone who's actually invested in one knows, you've got a very accurate assessment of what your crop is, not what the John Deere combine is telling you. Because this year, with the kilo weights dodging around all over the place, it's very clear that the weight in weights were different to the actual expected weights coming off the combine monitors. Not just John Deere, all of them, by the way, in case they're offended. Right, the third item was being a service provider. Right. That means outloading is upon request. You know, if the person who's paid for the grain, because futures you get paid up front, so you're paid for the grain, they're called the warrant holder. Each lot that you trade is 100 tonnes. So one one lot, 100 tonnes. And he's paid for it up front. If he calls on it, he can have it. The thing in your favour is, it is working hours only. So you can can pretend you're like a consumer and go, now, sorry, we're closed, it's 4pm, it's time for my cup of tea and crumpet and go home now. So 8am to 4pm are the loading hours and only on working days. So no bank holidays, no weekends... No favours unless you feel like giving favours to people, you are only obliged contractually to load in those loading hours. Now, most of us are a little bit more reasonable with the hauliers who have a tough old time and say, "Okay, all right, you're a bit late, we'll load you, and so on. But the actual contractual obligation is 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. And you have to say yes, you can't go, actually, I'm shooting that day, would you mind coming another day? you're going to have to have some sort of staff or somebody who's definitely going to cover and know exactly what they're doing for loading the lorry and you've got to do it at enough of a pace because one of the things is you have to be able to load out at enough of a pace for someone to collect I think the minimum is something like 80 tons an hour which is you know two and a half lorries yeah I believe it's something in the region of that so you need to have someone who's quite capable of of getting on the loader and getting that done quickly and you can't deviate on that because everyone's trying to fill a boat with 500 tons of your wheat in a couple of days you need to have someone on that thing who's actually quick enough to do it and that means you have to say yes that's that's my point you're saying yes nicely you can't refuse, you can't say, I'm shooting, I'm Christmas shopping, I'm doing, i on holiday. You have to have someone there who actually does it if they call for it. The reality is the bulk of the stuff doesn't move until a lot later in the year. Occasionally they'll come in the Christmas week, which is very annoying. It normally we will kind of work with them and say, look, how about coming to the doing grain store, leave the farmers alone. And, and generally we haven't had many people pestered over Christmas week. So the bulk of it moves out in April, May, June and July the following year. And that's good news in the sense you're getting rent for it, but we'll come on to that as well. So four, the point was you've got to have access to a futures account. Now, if you run your own futures account, it is not really for the faint-hearted. That's that's a fact. It messes with your cash flow and scares the shit out of your accountant, bluntly. They don't like it. Don't like it up a Mr. Manring. In simple language, if you open an account, if you were selling a 1,000 tonnes on the futures and you thought, oh, look at that price, £200 and I'll sell it, You make a sale on the futures and you've got the contract in your hand. You have to lodge what they call an initial margin with the futures exchange. Now, I believe it's something in the region of £15 a tonne. So you've got £15,000 tied up with the futures exchange just like that, just for the privilege of doing that deal. Brokerage is going to cost you, you have to buy and you have to sell the contract, which will cost you about 25p in out. So that's a total of 25p brokerage it will cost you to trade futures. So you've got £15 per tonne lodged, which is straight out of your bank account, which is slightly irritating if you haven't got that hanging around. And then this is the famous thing. That money goes down to the ICE exchange, which is the intercontinental exchange, which is the business that owns the London Wheat Futures contract. And... What that does is allows for the market to move and it covers any eventual loss. If the market goes against your position, i.e. you sold at £200 a ton it goes up to £210, they've got kind of £15 a ton already covering them. What happens next is if it does go up £10 a ton is that next morning you'll have a message from your futures broker saying pay us 10 pounds a ton. You have to continually maintain that 15 pound a ton initial margin. Now that is the the legendary thing that went wrong. You know, it is the most misquoted farmer complaint in history of the guys who traded futures and gave it a really bad name. The rules are very simple. You have a margin, you have to maintain £15 a tonne. If the market goes against your position, you have to top it up to make sure you maintain that £15 a tonne. So if the market goes up a tenner one day, you have to pay £10 per tonne of whatever you got sold against it. That's a fact. Those are the rules. Those always were the rules. And all the guys you could oh, they were, they, they were cheating, they took all our money and all that. It's, it's like... No, you knew those facts beforehand, you just selectively, it worked for you for two or three years, it went against you, and then you squealed like little pigs. And that was what scared probably, and is still scaring away, farmers from this particular contract. And bearing in mind there's a premium there for everybody, it's a very great shame that they can't see past those scare stories. So all of the farmers who made this out to be crooked were either lying or stupid. That's a really outspoken statement, but it's a fact because the rules are the rules, and it's a simple rule. Let's remember, if you sell at £200 a tonne on 1,000 tonnes and the market drops £20 a tonne, you can also have a margin payment. You are technically, you've got to protect your 15 quid initial margin, but if the market's gone down 20 pounds, you can collect that money. So it isn't all bad. And this particular season that we're trading in now for the first time for blooming years, the market has come down. We've had positive cash flow out of our futures, having had five years of utter misery, having money piling out of our bank before we even traded the crop or you'd even cut it. But this year, the market's collapsed and we've positive cash flow out of it, which has been a treat. And that was would also happen to you so it's good and bad depending on which way the market goes so if you own a futures account as long as you know those rules then that is that's it you pass the test to become a futures account holder you can simply see what the prices for your product, you are a registered futures store. You can therefore make a futures sale. It gets to the day when you say, right, actually, they'll ask you, are you going to buy your contract in? Say, no, I'm going to tender it. And tendering it means offering it, means giving it, means putting it into the market, saying, I have a sale, give me the money. And it turns into from a piece of paper into an actual physical sale for your product. And the lucky person who holds it has to pay you seven days later, And there's no, they can't pay, or there's no, they won't pay. They have to pay the money to the ICE exchange. And ICE exchange makes sure you get that money on the 1st of November, on or seven days after you've tendered it. So you get paid, bang, if you're doing it direct as your own account. And then on top of that, if they don't move it... Within 14 days, you start charging them rent as well. Now, these are all things that if you're running your own futures account, you manage and you're on top of, and it's fine. It is a bit arduous, and there are some aspects to it that, for us, it's easy because we're doing it all over the place, and we've got someone dedicated to dealing with the Guardian system, which is what ICE uses to manage all of the futures accounts. I mean, yes, we can teach people how to do that, but actually, in all of our cases, we are managing that aspect for them. So the futures account... And this is where you can either, as I say, have your own account or have a close relationship with a merchant who knows what they're doing and who will actually manage it for you. So we do that for our farmers. There's a fee for that, but we do all of the work and it basically makes it run a bit smoother. We get registered as a storekeeper and you are working on our behalf and we keep all of the correspondence to a minimum and manage it but basically we give access to farmers to having a futures account without them actually having to outlay their money and we absorb the miseries of negative cash flow or the benefits of positive cash flow if that ever happens. But the fifth thing was task and I think at this point I shall bring Joe in to talk about task as that's his expert subject which is basically your ACCS what it used to be called or red tractor certification the step up for that is the trade system, which is called task, so i've brought Joe in on that because he's the guy who's the expert in our business who who guides everybody through it so the first question i 've got for you, Joe, is what are the fundamental difference between red tractor that farmers have to pass at the moment when someone goes around their sheds and
2: task initially it's just literally terminology it's a branding of one to the other it's um, certification bodies. The golden thread between them is that you know the principles are the same because task encompasses for us the whole of our
1: system doesn't it haulage right the way through to delivery to mills all of the, there's a load of things that go beyond just physically having a shed and keeping it in the right condition and temperature whereas the bit that's important the task registration if you are a farm store is
2: basically it's the same i think yeah, the principles are the same yeah there there is you go through the storage requirements from a red tractor point of view and it has traceability you know as in what's being used and looking at pest control and avoiding rodents coming in and making sure that the building is sound all of those aspects get carried on through to task naturally because the thing is that we're buying obviously a commodity that obviously has to fall into that you can't mm-hmm. suddenly have a commodity that being stored at a lower level mm-hmm. than it is obviously and going into a task Um, Setup. Yes, the the requirements in a building might be over a period of time. The you know how long it stays for. If you're on a short-term storage or something, but ultimately the golden thread through it is the same. Yes. So so in
1: in short, if you're a futures going to become a futures store, you have to be able to store the stuff through to the end of July. So it's a long-term store. There's got to be a big enough capacity, as we know. And basically, it is as long as you've got your gutters clean, your floors clean, your systems in place. All of those boxes ticked. Your weighbridge calibrated once a year. Yeah, that's, that's a step up. Isn't yeah,
2: it? Th- there's a step up in terms of having a calibration, your weighbridge and things. But it's also, you know, again, that the key thing about traceability. You know, obviously, what's gone in your own shed, mm-hmm. and the thing is, the next thing is being able to prove that going into task, and then we continue that through.
1: Which is is easy because yeah. you know you filled your own shed with your own wheat from your own from your own fields in your own vehicles, etc. So it is. Yeah. yeah basically doing what you're already doing so nothing complicated there and
2: and that's when you look down the tar uh, the passport simply those key bits of information where it's come from what the variety is what it is you're dealing with looks at dons and zons and requires obviously possibly even going into you know obviously highlighting whether it's red too or not um all of those aspects when it was cut the transport they all follow through into task and naturally, yeah. that's how it obviously continues. Why there's that insur- assurance going through the whole crop that you're getting paid for.
1: Okay, that's perfect. That is excellent. Thanks, Joe. That that should reassure anyone that's considering this that there is nothing new here. Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. On to the next bit. Okay, so that's simple, all of that above is those are very straightforward things that you have to have or put in place. And we can help with all of that. Cost of registration, if you whether you do it independently yourself or whether you do it from us, is around a thousand pounds. It's just under a thousand pounds. So you have to register your store. So if you've got, you know, two thousand tons, that's less than fifty p a ton. But it is a cost, and you go on to a, a very prestigious list of future stores from throughout the UK. So let's assume you've done all of that. You've believed the Pied Piper, and off you've gone, you've become a future store. Right, wheat. For November, when I'm recording this is is actually trading at £185 a ton. And the best X Farm bid is £170. So you can sell your wheat at £185, if that's the bid on the screen. And it's a totally transparent value. That's it. The best bid at X Farm is £170, you're fifteen pounds a tonne better off. Now that's assuming you've got your own futures account. If we're managing your account, there is a commission we take off that, which we will debate with you. It's not excessive, but it is still going to leave you with a very, very significant premium. We're massively cheaper than anybody else. No one else is going to do it anywhere near the cost we're doing it at, I can tell you that. I won't put it out on air because it's important that, you know, you have an individual debate with us. But I'm telling you, people who will possibly try and offer this service or try and compete with us on this won't absorb all of those charges on finance won't absorb the margin calls easily without whinging and whining about it and they will have a a number of people confusing the issue we are very geared to this as the the business model that makes our business tick you know we've got a large number of stores you know we've got three new farm stores just registered this season added to the list and we're expecting another two or three either during the season or next year so we as a business would expect you if you're going to do it to come in allow us to manage it and that becomes really your responsibility then keep the grain in the right condition Whenever someone comes to inspect, you just have to go here, yep, there it is, boys. And more importantly, load it out when they want to load it. And the, and all of the things like the rent and what have you, we simply send straight on to you. There's no extra costs or charges. And if it is a year where the market goes through the roof after you sold it, you generally won't enjoy the, the miseries of having margin calls and messing up your cash flow, which is where the, the whinging happened historically. You know, we absorb all of that, so it, is, it becomes a little less painful than perhaps the reality of what our trading book. So, payment—you end up with payment during in November if you got a November contract. It's November payment, so you're effectively paid a month earlier than if you're selling it you know, direct ex-farm for November, you pay 28 days and they might move it on the 25th. So you end up just paid before Christmas. Well, you're paid in November as opposed to a month later. And if the grain does not move by the 8th of November, you end up with rent coming in. In round figures, if you're doing it independently, it's gonna, you're going to get about £1.30, £1.35 a month. If you're doing it through us, you're going to get a pound a month because we're managing the Guardian, we're managing the rent invoices, we're managing, you know. And bearing in mind that most of the contracts that we have have or most of the stores that we have have the same owners over several stores so it's easier for us to actually manage that than it is an individual but it's i'm giving you all the facts so there is rent that gets paid which is quite nice so if you have accepted that there isn't anything particularly complicated because your red tractor and your task is the same thing as far as storage is concerned if you've already got a waybridge grape if you haven't that's there's an appeal in that anyway as a business i'm sure but if not you can pay if you've got a thousand tons it'll take you two years to pay for it if you've got two thousand tons it'll take you one year to pay for it that's an asset that you've got within your book so you know a weighbridge is, is a very useful thing has to be calibrated each year or, or tested each year that's a, another cost you have to consider but i'm sure most farmers have secretly had the appeal to having a weighbridge over the years and this is a proper 40 foot job that can deal with any size lorry but if you put it in in simple terms if you if you do a comparison of 2000 tons of wheat that you're getting perhaps 13 pound a ton net benefit over the ex farm price that's 26000 pounds less a registration fee of 950 so that's 25k and a, and a ditty bit and then if it doesn't move for 6 months you've got another 6 pound a ton rent which is 12 grand you've got you know 37000 pounds extra money coming in and you've got cash in the bank you know cash in the bank now is worth a pound a month if you're on six percent if you're borrowing money is at least a pound a month so the point being if you if you do a direct comparison x farm for may 24 probably 185 is a rough estimated figure at the moment If you sold nov futures, I beg your pardon, I think the future's looking a bit weak. Just say the futures are coming off a bit. Let's say you're going to get 182 net. Let's be a bit negative on it. 182 net. £6 rent, 188. Seven months because you paid November as opposed to paid December. So it's it's seven months earlier than you would be paid if you sold it in May. And that becomes 195 equivalent versus 185. So for later on in the year, you've had money in the bank. You've got at least a 10 or more. It is genuinely the same product, staying there for the same amount of time, except you've had cash in the bank, and you just, you know, it's there's nothing magic about it. So to sum up, I'm quite sure you're you're getting bored now of my voice. The best thing is it's transparent. If ever you want to know the value of your wheat in your shed, if it's a registered futures store, is you look at a futures screen. You can go to a merchant who's got a live screen. If there's one local or if you're trading with someone in Timbuktu or Yorkshire or China or somewhere, then probably you can't. But if you come to Aylsham and have a little look, we've got a screen. It will show exactly what the bids are and you can see what the bid is and go, right, I want to sell at that level. Bang, we can do it for you. So there's no special little story. There's no extra little American pie to go with it or any spiring stuff from the the guys who might spread secrets. This is all going to be in your face, real-time bid on the screen. That's the best bid. That's the best offer. That's the market value. Is there a catch? No, there is not a catch. Is it difficult to do? No, it's not difficult to do. Is there a credit risk? No, you're paid up front. All of these things are like... It is as good as it says on the box. And I don't understand why some of the larger trading organisations, farmers, don't just do this. Because, all right, yes, you will have to have maybe a storage staff member to cover those times when you don't want to be there to load it. But look at the extra income. And if the size of your farm, you know, if, if you're looking at contract farming in the future and you're building a store slightly bigger than what you're using, and that's what we've done on a number of our farms that we've helped they've built a bigger store than they thought they've then been able to go out to their neighbors and say look if you trade with us and you bring your grain into our store we'll charge you a storage charge for doing it but that storage charge is covered by the extra income that you've got for the product because it's futures and on top of that the shed in your house hasn't got mice and rats or whatever you haven't got any work to do you haven't got to worry about it going off no bugs nothing all done and the charge for storage is covered instantly buy the premium for the product it makes you more attractive than the guy down the road who's just can do the combining for them so all of those things need to be considered and it has definitely been well worn and well worth it exercise for a number of our customers so anyone out there who thinks this is interesting and they think that actually blimey this guy's giving us information that might make us more money and he's not forcing us to trade with him encouraging you maybe but not forcing then you need to explore this and if you want any help Along the way, we'd be more than happy to do so. So it genuinely is a no brainer. With that, have a great week. We, the boys, are in Poland this week doing our bit for international trade, even though there's no export going on. So hopefully, we'll come back in one piece and and see you next week.
0: Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get updates on new episodes and when they are released. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Dewing Grain. Call Dewing Grain on 01263 731 550 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by East Coast Design Studio in Norwich.